Hello, and welcome to the CEO Blind Spots Show, where leaders lead leaders. I'm your host, Birgit Camps, and today's guest is Jackie Fisher, who is the CEO of Three Men Movers, which is a company that is changing the moving industry. Welcome to the show, Jackie. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me here. I am so glad I finally have you as a guest because I've known about you for years, both because I used your company several times, but also because our mutual friend, John Leinberger, who is the executive director at DCP Capital, told me that you have this amazing formula for empowering employees to take ownership of creating results beyond what they thought was possible. And then when I did my research on your company, I saw that you've grown from one truck to a fleet of more than 100 and from one employee to more than 400 team members ever since you took over the company from your dad. And then on top of that, you also got recognized for being a great place to work for. So what are some of the best practices you have implemented to, to be so successful? Well, I think a lot of times we hear the the sort of old adage, hire the best people and get out of their way. Mm -hmm. And we're all familiar with that, but then it's kind of like, how do you actually do that? And I think my formula is a way of getting people more engaged and then being there for them when they need you and providing them with the right resources to get their job done and empowering them to say things that are maybe counterintuitive than what we normally want to hear our employees say. I see it as a good sign when my employees tell me they can't meet a deadline or or they push back on me because it shows that they trust me and that they're in control of their work and their schedule. So I, I see things a little differently. Yeah. Well, I happen to know you also just published a book called The Growth Paradox. And I know that, you know, our listeners can read it and and I think it it highlights several of your signature management methods in how you got here, but you know, you said something very interesting, which is you welcome feedback and pushback from your employees. There are a lot of leaders who say they're very open, the door's open, um, but employees don't feel safe going to them. So is, is there a tip you have as far as why do they feel comfortable telling you I can't meet a deadline? Well, I have to say it's not easy. I mean, literally the other day, an employee walked past my door and started laughing because I was in a one-to-one, -one, I was mentoring another employee and I had a piece of tape literally over my mouth <laughs> and, and they were laughing, but I had to remind myself because I, you know, you want to help out so bad and you want to get involved and you're not doing it for harmful reasons, but you just feel like, you know, all the answers, but you can't grow employees if you don't let them make decisions. And so I, I literally had to remind myself to shut up at this meeting. So it, it isn't easy. And also the skill set that helped you become a startup, you know, you're competitive, you're a risk taker, you get involved, you're a leader. Those are the skills that help you start up, but they're not necessarily the skills that will take you to the next level. You can kind of peter out after the first couple million. And so that's what the book kind of goes into. Yeah. And Jackie, did you have a mentor or how did you figure this out? Because I heard that you have figured out a lot through the School of Hard Knocks. So I did. Um, when I started the company, I didn't even have a college education. I couldn't read a financial statement. And I was lucky enough to join um, a business group. And my first business mentor was Bill Perry. And he was an older guy. 
And he had all the sage wisdom that really helped me develop a fundamental knowledge of how business worked. And then after that, Robin Stanilin was my mentor and she is absolutely amazing. And she really took me to the next level, just being able to teach me how to trust people and ask the right questions. So I I was lucky to have both of them. And the cool thing about mentorship is if you have a really good mentor, you don't have to make as many mistakes because they can kind of tell you what worked and what didn't work. And also a group of peers helps a lot as well. Yes, I I concur with that. But, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier also hiring well. Is there a particular method you use to hire well? Well, we do a couple of things. I mean, we have panel interviews. We do personality testing that helps us understand if somebody would be the right fit that we're looking for. So we do these types of things to try to get the right person. But oftentimes, you know, you can have a person that can sit through an interview and they're really, really good at interviewing, but they might not actually be good for the position that you have. And so you get on your team. And I think the most important thing is identifying it early on and trying to get that person off your team as quickly as possible. And it doesn't mean that that person is a bad person or the job is a bad job. It just not, might not be the right match. Yeah, it is correct, right? The, they have to be a, a fit to your culture as well. But, you know, the industry you're in, my understanding is there's usually huge turnover. How have you managed to deal with that? Well, our secret is that we realize that we work for the drivers and the drivers don't work for us. Mm. And when I first started working for my dad, he had a massive stroke. I came in and started running the company and we started butting heads. My dad is a little rough around the edges and he would yell at me in front of the employees and so forth. So um, I left the company, but the drivers found out I left and they signed this petition to bring me back. And that was the catalyst to me coming on board and later buying my dad out. Mm. Um, And I think the reason why they trusted me enough to to bring me on when I had no business experience is because I I really tried to change the culture of the office to where the backup support for them, we serve them and not the other way around. And once we figured that out, the guys are so empowered in the field that they give amazing customer service and they do that because they they know that they're supported by the office. And that's really important because, you know, we all hear the expression, and I don't know if I can say this, but shit rolls downhill. And it's yeah. true. Yeah. If you, you've all been in the grocery store line where you're standing in line and the person's like giving you really bad service. And then they tell you about how they worked a double shift and, and they're angry. And yeah. then they take it out on their customer. If we have happy movers, we're going to have happy customers. And it starts with having happy movers. I'm grateful that you implemented that secret because I benefited from it several times. So then, of course, I have to ask, did you ever struggle as a leader? Did I ever? That's like past tense. I still struggle to this day as a leader. And and I think that's what makes the book so heartfelt is I'm not on the other side yet. It's not easy. I'm in the trenches right now, um, running a company, making payroll and navigating this really weird, crazy economy. So I'm still struggling and I still, I I don't have it all figured out, but I know the direction I want to go in and I'm moving towards that direction constantly. It's it's more yeah. of a destination than an actual spot. I, if anybody's reached the spot, I would love to know. 
Um, right. I, I think as soon as you feel like you're on the spot, everything changes. The economy changes, and then you feel like you're or like you lose a, a really good employer or something, and then you have to try to get there again. So it's constantly moving in the right direction. Yeah. Well, was there an aha moment in your early years as a leader where you caught yourself and go, "Hey, this this method of leadership is not working." And I need to do something different. So it's kind of an embarrassing story. I used to have meetings kind of very impromptu or when things would pile up, we'd meet. I didn't have consistent, regular meetings. And I went back and I got my my MBA and learned that it's very important to communicate with people and have consistent meetings, which I know that's kind of like an obvious thing, but I was a young executive. Um, It wasn't obvious to me. Uh, So I started having regular meetings and the meetings, like if I showed up 10 minutes late, everybody milled around and waited for me to get there. If I went on vacation, we didn't have the meeting. If I left early, the meeting ended early. And I really didn't like the meetings because they're boring. I would show up. I had a (laughs) list of everything I wanted to tell my employees. And then I would like show up and throw up. and, And I did most of the talking. And I decided that I really didn't want to go to the meetings anymore, but I knew they were crucial to running the company. So I set an agenda and I told my team, hey, just have the meetings without me. If I'm here or not here, just have them without me. We're going to have them every Monday morning at nine o'clock. And so the first meeting I was late to, they they were all milling around waiting for me to get there. And I said, no, no, no. So we had a couple of false starts. I said, just go ahead and start without me. Well, once they started without me and running the meetings on an agenda, instead of me showing up and just running the whole meetings, the whole meeting changed and they became very engaged, very animated. And pretty soon the meetings were interesting because I was learning something. Because when you run your mouth, you're usually not learning anything. And Mm -hmm. so I would show up to the meetings on time and ready to go each time because I, I wanted to hear what my employees had to say. And it was at that moment I was I was sitting there in the room listening to everyone talk, and I realized that for them to fully participate and become engaged, I had to step back and I had to let them participate because I was pretty much sucking the oxygen out of the room when I walked into the room and I had to let them breathe. I had to let them fully participate in the process of running the company. And once I did that, that was like, what we needed to change and grow. And that's when the the growth became exponential. Mm. Wow. Well, I appreciate your willingness to share that. And uh, I have never thought of a great leadership tool as being putting a tape over your mouth, as you said earlier, <laughs> but I could definitely yeah. see the value of that. And, and, he, and uh, to your point, you know, some people would say it's obvious you have to do this, but Jackie, the reality is a lot of new leaders or even current leaders are not communicating effectively, are doing most of the talking, and and that just doesn't work well, and especially not now. So uh, thank you again for sharing that. And, you know, as we start to wrap up the show, you know, there's been several crises, and to your point, we don't know what's around the corner. There might be more. Do you have a tip or two on how to navigate through crisis, or do you have a lesson learned that you want to share about how you navigate it through crisis? For sure. So when COVID hit, we had to shut down. I mean, the whole the whole city shut down and it was scary. We didn't know 
I mean, there were so many unknowns at that time. And we we're operating from a place of like, are, are we going to be able to work in the next 20 days, 60 days, whatever? We, we just didn't know. And it was scary for everyone. But during that time, we did some surveys and we found out that people were really afraid they were going to lose their jobs. And I couldn't guarantee them they weren't because, I mean, if we were without work for months and months and months, I would definitely have to cut staff. But what we did is we set up some key indicators and we said, look, our pipeline looks like this. And as long as our pipeline doesn't go below this, I, we can afford, I mean, we, we save our money so we can afford to go negative for a few months, but unless it goes under here, we're not going to let anyone go. And we, and, and luckily that pipeline stayed pretty, pretty positive. So we, we didn't have to let anyone go due to COVID, but that level of transparency then being able to see the numbers and understand um, really helped them have some some confidence that their jobs were secure. And yeah. if it did go the other way, which, you know, thank goodness it didn't, they would understand that this was a business decision that we were having to make just to keep the company running. And luckily it didn't go that way. But transparency, over communication and key indicators are your best friends when navigating through a crisis. Yeah. Well, I am so grateful that uh, you've learned your lessons like that and are willing to share it with others. And I, I know you have many more tips. So if our listeners want to learn more, they can buy your book, The Growth Paradox. And if they want to know more about your company, they can go to three, and that's the number three, menmovers.com. I'll put that in the description as well. But Jackie, thank you again. You're you're open, you're transparent, and I can see that one of your leadership best practices must be that you conduct yourself in a way that people trust you. So thank you again for sharing you know, your insights. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And the book is available for pre-order on Amazon. <laughs> 